This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Draft is right around the corner, and everybody has their needs. Very needy. The teams get very needy, needy. all 32 teams around this time of year. Oh, I need a quarterback. <laughs> oh, I need a linebacker. Oh, so needy and whiny. All of you just shut up. We have ranked here, though, the Steelers' biggest position groups of needs in this NFL draft. And if you listen to our last episode, you don't really need to go by position of need when you're picking. You can crumple up the paper, throw it in the trash can, and say, I'm taking the best player available, Mr. Jalen Carter, at number nine. But I think these serve as a pretty good, you know, map for yourself if you're a team going through the draft. And I think it can serve as a pretty good tiebreaker, too, if you have... Mm -hmm. Two prospects that you really like. One's a receiver, one's a defensive tackle. And you say to yourself, kind of need the defensive tackle a little bit more. You take the defensive tackle, and it breaks the tie there. Number one for me, Jacob, mm-hmm. my number one position of need for the Steelers. I don't think you're going to agree with this one. And okay. Again, it's just my list, and we'll debate it. You didn't like you came up with the list, too. I actually put inside linebacker at the very top. Of you the know, list. it's not a – I don't – I'm not gonna give you much pushback on that because, like, we heard well, Tom. Here's, a, here's say, a question, Tom. Okay, are we gonna are we gonna say this is for the draft or for the start of the 2023 season? This is for the draft. This is for the draft coming up okay. right here. Okay, and I use that. I I determine inside linebacker because, yeah, tackle is shaky, but we've heard from coach, we've heard from GM, they're comfortable with their tackle position. Not sure how comfortable they are. But they use the word comfortable. They could also be lying. But, you know, Dan Moore and Chuk Sikorafor, seen them play a couple years now. We know what we're getting from these yeah, guys. Yeah, doing fine. The corners, you know, you just got Pat Pete. So it's not like you are completely flailing in that department after losing Cam Sutton. But you look at that inside linebacker room. And, yes, it's new. You've ripped up the floorboards and you Completely. put down a new— Three new guys, really. Yep, you put down carpeting now. You ripped up the hardwood floors, you put down carpeting. You're trying something completely different. But none of those new guys really rev your engine. Mm-hmm. None of them have ever really shown you that they are capable of being an all-pro caliber like a Pat Pete has in the past. And none of them really have the potential— that you see in maybe a, a, a Chooks to at least stay healthy and stay on mm-hmm. the field. Or, you know, it's hard for me to trust guys coming in from the outside, even though on you, you'd say they are upgrades from what you've had, but I just don't think they're that significant of an upgrade. And I just think the dirty little secret is you could have put inside linebacker at the very top of this list for their biggest position of needs pretty much since Ryan Shazier has gone down. And you would have been right because they just can't get. Well, it yeah, right. I mean it's pretty clear because and they keep every taking year, hacks at it. These are two, n- another two massive hacks, Roberts and Holcomb. Like they keep swinging. Got to give them credit for that. And eventually, you think the ball's going to go and play, right? Like they're going to hit a double on one of these guys. I'm not even asking for a home run. Just mm-hmm. hit a double on one of these guys. I mean, it's pretty. I don't think that's incorrect of you to say because look at what they've done over the past several years, right? At that position, ever since Devin, or ever since Ryan Shazier was like has become unavailable to the team because of his career-ending injury. They go out and they draft Devin Bush, right? And then, what was it, the next year they go out and they uh, they go out and they get um, uh, Joe Schober. Joe Schober. And then, then the year after that, they go out and they get Miles Jack. And then the year after that, they go out and they get two different guys. They go out, they go out 
they go and get Cole Holcomb and Alandon Roberts. All the while, they just keep trying Spillane, keep trying Spillane. Doesn't work, time. doesn't work. They they retain Mark Robinson, right, of all people, a seventh-round draft pick, not someone they pursued in free agency, not someone they really would ever consider to, to re-sign. And maybe he's not re-signed after his rookie deal is done just because of his seventh-round caliber. It remains constant. But uh, the guy from Seattle, right, Tanner Muse. Really more so of a special teams guy, but they just keep plugging in these names at that inside linebacker position, and and yet nothing has stuck. So I I don't give you much pushback on that on that uh, call by you to say it's their biggest area of need. It's just when you compound it on, <clears throat> excuse me, the 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 draft class available to you. This is not the year to go out and 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 draft with an early pick. An inside linebacker. No, a lot of people don't even have inside linebackers ranked in the top thirty-two for the first. No, it wouldn't. Uh, it would not shock me if the first inside linebacker wasn't taken until the second round. Yeah, I mean, you've got guys like Dan Henley, Jack Campbell, Drew Sanders, Trenton Simpson's a name that I think has been rising up yeah. a lot, and a uh, name that has been linked with the Steelers some. But yeah, those are your top four prospects, and Pro Football Focus has the highest one rated at number thirty-eight as far as an go. overall prospect yeah. is concerned. So which. By definition, is outside of that first round. You're right. You know, it's yeah. a position probably that you can say is the biggest need for the Steelers, but this ain't the class for it. No. Uh, 2023 so that, is So not that's the class why I would give you pushback because, yes, it's an area of need, but it's not an area that you need to go and pursue in this class. So then the next position group that I had right below in Sunline Becker was the tackle spot. That's where I ended up putting Which tackle. I could I could easily put at number one if you really wanted to. Well, I to. think the class is at number one yeah. because th- this is where the class and the need kind of meet perfectly for the Steelers because, you know, again, using pro football focus, there's one, two, three, four, five tackles there you go. from Skaronsky to Broderick Jones that they have ranked as a top 32 prospect overall in this class. So, I mean, that's five tackles that they think could go in the first round. And then there's also Dewan Jones, who is a highly rated prospect just at the start of the second round out of Ohio State. So, I mean, like, there are six players that you could pick at this position and you could realistically see them making multiple Pro Bowls in their career. So this, although I think that they are in more dire strait at inside linebacker, this is like the holy matrimony position, I think, of this draft class. You need it desperately. And there's a lot of juicy prospects. You'd have to assume that one of them will still be there at 17. Yeah, I'd say this too, is that you have, and you mentioned this earlier, every year the Steelers like to go into the draft prepared to roll out in week one with just the guys they have in their roster pre-draft. So they're comfortable, and and again, you mentioned this, they're comfortable to steal a return for Mike Tomlin with the tackles. Doesn't mean they're in love with them. Doesn't mean that they're saying, oh, we feel like our tackle group is as good as any in the NFL. That's not the case. And that's certainly not the case with the inside linebackers. It's just that you you have this class available to you in the draft at that tackle position. And there's a very good like like you mentioned, Tom, there's about six guys between Skaronsky and and Broderick Jones that are uh, first-round talent. There's a very good likelihood that one of those five guys, and not just one, but maybe even two to three, maybe even four, can get to you at 17. So to me, 
it, it's a totally different formula when you compare it to the inside linebackers. When again, you can you can say Mike Tomlin hasn't said it explicitly like he has with the um, tackles. You can say you're comfortable with the Landon Roberts and, and Cole Holcomb, but they could easily be exposed in Week One to be, you know, two more versions of a Devin Bush or a Miles Jack or a Joe Schobert or a, or a Robert Spillane, right? Yeah. Easily, it's just you don't know that until you get out there in Week One, and and it may take a little bit longer too because remember Miles Jack through the first what five six weeks of last season he looked pretty good, looked pretty decent, and Devin Bush looked. Pretty decent as his number two guy. Yes, he was missing tackles, and yes, he wasn't able to get off the block as, as easily as he was able to in his rookie year. But he wasn't looking worse than when he was than what he was in uh uh at a cer- at another certain point of his career, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean he's Again, they just swing and miss at that position all the time. Yeah, and it's 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 in creative new ways. Like. The only difference I feel like going into this year is that every like I mentioned, each of the last three to four years, you draft Devin Bush, you sign Joe Schobert, you sign Miles Jack. It felt like okay, here is where the bridge starts. Here's where you go out and you get the guy that can really help make that bridge solidified. But with Cole Holcomb and Atlanta Roberts, it wasn't it was. Nowhere near the same feeling as signing Schobert and Jack or drafting Bush. It was just, okay, we've tried so many different times to fix that position. Let's just go out and get a couple of guys who we're not going to break the bank for. We're not going to make a big deal about and say, oh, these are the guys who we think can really fill in that Ryan Chazier hole that's been there since 2017. All right, and then number three for me, and this kind of rounds out the big three position groups. I got cornerback at, yep. at number three, and it's another, again no it's pushback. A, it's another one where you know you've got some prospects that you can play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the elites like Witherspoon and Gonzalez. Then you've got Deontay Banks and Joey Porter Jr. and Emmanuel Forbes. I've seen Cam Smith from South Carolina jump into the first round every once in a while. Uh, this is a, a spot though where I think you can get a little deeper. Like you can get a guy like Garrett Williams in the third round, a guy like Trevius Hodges Tomlinson maybe early third round, uh, DJ Turner, Keely Ringo. I mean, there are obviously a group of elite prospects at this spot. I think like a big four, but I think you can pretty much get away with drafting, especially after you had Pat Peterson. Now mm-hmm. you can maybe draft one in the third round and still get some pretty decent value out of the cornerback position. Because I think it, you know, is a pretty deep class this season, uh, this draft year, I mean. So I put cornerback at number three, and those are, like, kind of the big three in my mind. Inside backer, tackle, and then cornerback. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's pretty pretty universally it's understood just, that you need those three spots. It's just kind of funny how you see the Steelers in mock drafts or just in discussions, whether it's on Twitter or, or articles being written, you you see them attached to cornerback and tackle in the first two picks, right? Maybe mm-hmm. even the first three. You rarely see the inside linebacker position. Because I think there's no prospect right? there. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, if you were going to do that, you trade back for him. Uh-huh. That, that's where I think you're seeing. Uh, but even there. so, you'd be trading back for a guy that, at the earliest, would be going in the middle of the second round. So you'd be giving up 17 would you really be willing to trade back all the way from 17 and just have, like, instead of having 17, 32, 49, and 80, maybe you get, like, 17, 32, 
maybe 40, 49, and 80. And then you get, again, next year's second-round draft pick. Yes. Because I, I wouldn't want to trade back from 17 to, like, 25 to take that inside linebacker. No, I wouldn't want to. I would trade either. back from, like, 17 to, like I said, the early 30s or late 30s, early 40s, and just have 32 that traded pick, 49 and 80, and then maybe get a future second-round draft pick in return. But again, I would I would like I, I would be pretty especially if you trade back, Tom, I wouldn't even want thirty two to be that inside linebacker. Probably not. Mm-hmm. I just don't think the value's there for this draft class. Maybe Jack Campbell is the next Jack Ham or Jack Lambert though. So maybe you take him at thirty two and you're fine. It's possible. But, but those three are clearly the biggest areas of need. It's just such a drop off in terms of between corner and tackle, like and the the possibility of one of those guys being added to this team in those early picks between the cornerback and and tackle to the inside linebacker. All right, so now we get into more like positions where they need depth, and that's where mm-hmm. I put edge slash outside linebacker as the next position of need. Okay. I, yeah, I don't, I, I like it, especially with how injury prone your top dog is mm-hmm. at that position. Right. You're almost guaranteeing that your number three needs to play a significant amount this season. Um, I don't know if you get a number three, you know, in this draft class. Maybe you do. Maybe the perfect guy uh, lands in your lap and no one else is available of a position group of need for you. Here's a question for you, or a hypothetical. We we were discussing what happens. Do you trade back if all the corners and all the tackles are taken off the board at 17? If that's the case, right, that means, like, there's five tackles off the board and there's four corners off the board. So that's nine picks, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. You have all the quarterbacks. You have the Jalen Carters of the world, Will Andersons. What if it's a Lucas Van Ness at 17? Would you hate that? Yeah, because I feel like there has to be a corner still there. There has to be somebody. I'm just saying, in, in, this, in, this, in this mock, in this simulation, all the corners and all the tackles are gone, but Lucas Van Ness remains at 17. So what happens when he's better than Highsmith? Well, then. then you just move on from because Highsmith's in the middle of trying to get a contract extension. The Steelers are probably going to extend him. Would you then, if you did that, just move on from him? Like, that's what I think it's tricky. Well, to could pick. you not? Could you not just play like you were planning on doing so with Melvin Ingram and just rule out three guys? Uh, I think a rookie would definitely not have the ego that would. Well, blow no, that but up. I'm no, I'm saying when you brought in Mel Ingram initially before he had those ego issues. You were saying to yourself, we'll roll out with three guys. Could you not find a way? Could could Terrell Austin not find a way to work three guys into that into that defense? I just wouldn't pick a, an edge this early in the draft. Okay. Uh, where Lucas Van Ness is gonna be. I mean, you you, you need depth at that position. You need a, a guy that is going to play twenty percent of the snaps on a good day mm-hmm. if everybody's healthy. And I still think going out and maybe getting someone in veteran free agency is a better route to find that number three. Uh, but as we all know, Bud Dupree no longer available. No. Going back How about home that? with Atlanta, signing with his hometown team, the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, still on the hunt for that edge uh, outside linebacker depth are the Steelers. Number five for me, I put wide receiver. Another yeah, spot where I, like I think they will take a wide receiver in like the third or fourth round of this draft class. Uh, they need a number three wide receiver, and I just don't know if you can trust Calvin Austin to be that guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he's essentially going to be a rookie again this year because of missing all right. of last year. So 
Do you go into this season trusting a rookie to be your number three who hasn't played in a full calendar year? Or do you want to have a little bit of competition for that rookie, quote-unquote rookie, with some mm-hmm. actual rookies on paper coming in uh, from this draft class? So I, don't I, think, I think it's obvious that wide receiver is going to be a pick at some point in this draft. In this day and age, I don't think anyone could ever blame someone for taking a wide receiver at any point in a draft. Right, we always say on on this show and, and others have repeated it on theirs that it's never a bad idea to re, to continue to to stockpile your offensive line, right? Just get bodies in there, get as much depth as you can. I think in this day and age too, with how pass heavy the league has become, it's never a bad idea to just say, "Hey, this receiver really interests us. We think we can really use him well in this offense that we run here." Let's we're gonna go after him and and like, other than who was it Jalen Rager who was taking the pick before Justin Jefferson, right? Mm-hmm. I don't remember a receiver in recent memory that has been touted as a bad pick. No, I can't either. And that is, I think, and Jalen th- Rager like not a terrible career and, until you know things kind of really fell off the rail for him. That's just a position that. I think you can say grows on trees right now. That's I mean, what I'm saying. It's just in the college rank. I mean, we just saw last year's, like you were just highlighting, the last year's class was unbelievable. I mean, George Pickens might end up being the best one, and he was a second-round pick. Mm. So that is a position that is booming so much that you're almost, I don't want to say you're at the point where it's like, well, it's always smart to draft a lineman in every single draft class. I don't think it's there yet. But it's getting there where it's like, if you're in the sixth round and you haven't taken a receiver yet, take a receiver. Mm-hmm. There's a chance he might end up being somebody because that Especially position now, is just booming so much. That and now, how you mentioned, the receiver room in Pittsburgh is not paper thin. No. But it's not. But it's not. It's not encyclopedia thick. Yeah. yeah. You've got two guys that you know are your one and your two. Right, you got a handful of guys that you think could be a three: Anthony Miller, Calvin Austin. It doesn't even need to be that crowded when you have a Najee Harris who can catch balls out of the, out Pat. of the backfield and a Pat. Right. So there's options in the passing game for sure. Now I think you just are supplementing and and getting that extra mm-hmm. weapon that can really be a game breaker. So I put wide receiver at that spot. Then following wide receiver, so that'll be one, two, three, four, five. My sixth position group of need. This is where I have defensive tackle. So we were talking in the first episode about the Carter yeah. rumors, and I was saying, you know, it's pretty far down as far as what I peg as a position group of need. It, it really is. I mean, there's a lot of other pressing matters before you get to sure. defensive tackle. But I will say this. That's a position group that's going to rise up the list each year as Cam Hayward gets older. Gets and older, older and older and older. I mean, didn't we take in our latest mock draft, didn't we take Brian Breezy? We did. And I think that's a guy – that if he's there at 32, maybe you jump all over him if no uh-huh. one else is around at 32 that you like. But I wouldn't take him at 17. I wouldn't uh-uh. do that. No, I think you you examine what's there for you at if you don't trade up, right? If you don't if you don't do the Jalen Carter trade, um, you examine who's available to you between the tackles and the corners, and if you think there's a chance. You can wait on the corner for them to be there. There's enough of them at it, remaining in the draft for there to be a chance you can get 
one of those guys at 32 or vice versa for the tackles, then you take the position where you feel like there's less people available at 17. But if all those guys go before 32 and Brian Breezy is there, it's not. I, I would not be complaining about that pick, I don't think, at all. Because like you said, it's not a Jalen Carter, but Brian Breezy, Larry O, and Cam Hayward. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. All right, then number seven for me, I got the guard slash center spot, the inside offensive yeah. line. I, I, might have that, I might have had that even lower. Maybe. They've done a the lot of reason, work in yeah. the offseason on that already. The they only brought reason in a you starter in Simolo, yeah. and they brought in depth in Herbig. The only reason you have it kind of higher is because of that trope that we say it's never a bad thing to bring in another offensive lineman. Right, but that should take care of itself with the second position on our list of tackle. Right, that exactly. The yeah, that, they take. yeah but, that, that, it's, it's, it's for the offensive line as a whole. So if you go tackle at 17 or 32, there's no need to go uh, guard at 49 or 80. Yeah, I mean, it's just you've got the guys that were there last year. And, you know, James Daniel, I think everybody, I believe everybody is in consensus that he was their best offensive lineman last year. You've got Mason Cole, who did an okay job at center. And Kevin Dodson is kind of spinning his tires right now. But that's why you bring in a guy like Ciamalo. Kevin Dodson might not even be starting this season for the Steelers. So... They've addressed, addressed that position both from the starting five perspective mm-hmm. and from the depth perspective in free agency. Um, I think that they're pretty comfortable with their guard slash center spot. And but I would, say if they take ag- a guard in like the seventh round, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll say this again. It's something that I, I mentioned in our first episode today. It's a shame how the Steelers have that one position of need at tackle, and the tackle position is very top-heavy. It's possible, Tom, we like, we mentioned how the inside linebacker, the first inside linebacker, going to be taken off the board until the second round. I don't know if it's as likely, but it's possible here for either a guard or a center to go first in the second round. For the Steelers? No. I'm saying... For on, anybody in general. I, it won't happen because you'll always see a team say, hey, we need help on the O-line and we need help on the interior part of it. So they might... They, they might have to go with a guard or a center there. But it's possible. But it really isn't a great class for No, it's not. And that's why it, it's unfortunate because the Steelers have one need on that offensive line. And it's just, it's lining up to be a great class. And it's not evenly matched with an, e- with an equally great interior alignment class. That could help the Steelers maybe cool the tides on guys like a Paris Johnson or a Broderick Jones being available at 17. All right, then the next position group, I have safety. Last is the last of the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, see, I might have put them above. I might have put safety above interior, Guard center. interior linemen, yeah. Both you could apply to they've been busy in the free agency portion yeah, on both right. position groups. Re- retaining KZ, bringing in Keanu Neal, uh, and obviously you still have Minka. So I think that's why I put them so low is because I've got three there that I'm pretty faithful in. And then Trey Norwood's still around in his third year, so you'd assume that he – honestly, is going to be in a lesser role with more experience now. So I really like the way the safety room has kind of worked out. Right, but he was in a lesser role with this, with almost the ex- equal experiences between now and at the end of the season when it was Edmonds and Minka and KZ. Yeah, so I'm fine with, with him as your fourth guy. Right, I, I'm just saying, like, the Edmonds thing still kind of rubs me the wrong way. Maybe KZ's a better player, and, and it all works yeah. out for the Steelers. Uh, but 
it is weird that the Steelers said that they offered Edmonds comparable money to what Philly did, and Edmonds mm-hmm. just didn't want to play here. Right. Maybe he saw a potential cutting in of his playing time because of KZ coming back. I, I don't know, but yeah, Edmonds Edmonds is what is probably the one that you would point to this year as the one that walked away from your own roster that kind of hurts the most. It's either him or Sutton, right? Like those would be the two. I put I put Cam one. I don't know, man. You don't think so? No, I think Sutton's replaceable, and I think Edmonds is replaceable too. For that, well, matter. my 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 pushback to that is Cam carved his way and really worked his way up the roster depth chart to earning that number one spot, whereas Edmonds was always just going to be your number two, flex three when KZ was brought in, right? Yes, I agree. So with to that. me, it hurts more to lose Sutton than it does KZ. All right, and then the final three positions. These are at the bottom of the list here. Uh-huh. I got running back. Yep. Then I got tight end. Yep. And then at the very bottom of the barrel, yeah. the old quarterback. QB. The one that, no, was, at the kickers prom- or the punters. One that was probably at the top. Of kickers the or punters? I didn't do that, but I was kind of thinking as we were going, I mean, kicker's fine. Boswell's still great. But they do need to find a punter. I yeah, mean, absolutely. I, I think we're done with the Presley Harvin experiment. I think that he obviously had a very turbulent path in the NFL. His right. father passing away was rough for him. Right. But it's time to move on, probably. I mean, this is a guy you drafted, and he still is towards the bottom of the league when it comes to punting. I know that you go to training camp and you see the, the moon shots that he, he ripped. Like, There's times he looks like the best punter to ever win. And live. there's times that he looks like the worst. The consistency is yeah. just not going to be there for well, him. It's, and then earlier this week, you know, they went – and sign a guy, Brandon Mann, from the waivers. So it's not going to be just— People roll your eyes when you say that. You have no idea where the next punter is coming from. Right. Like, right, 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 right. Um, it's not—what we're, si- we're saying by by bringing up that, that waiver claim is that it's not going to be Hunter's position 100% moving forward. No, you remember— Harvins, Jordan, sorry, We sorry, all remember sorry. Jordan Berry, right? Right. Steelers— just were done with him, was a terrible punter. And then went on to Minnesota. Minnesota and, he was a great punter. Yeah. Like, you just don't know when it's going to click for uh-huh. kickers. And by the way, Jordan Berry's still a free agent right now. Like, so he had, like, great year, and maybe he sucks again. Like, it's yeah. just, it's it's a very finicky position, that punting spot. Which is honestly why I would have a hard stance on never drafting a punter. Yeah. And Presley like, Harvin could end up being the only punter and ever And people will selected. be like, well, it's a stuff throw pick, who cares? You're right, who cares? Waste that pick on a different position yeah. group because maybe it's on a guy who's on the field for more than hey, maybe like it's five Williams, plays a game, right? Yeah, right. Maybe it's Vince maybe Williams. it's maybe who knows, but maybe take that room, risk yeah. with a position that matters more mm-hmm. than punting. Find punting on the waiver wire. Find a veteran. Right. Find somebody that went to college and didn't get drafted and sign him. That's what they should go. That's, but that's why I didn't put it on the list. Don't fine. even draft it. But commenting on the positions you did put on the list between quarterback, running back, and tight end. If the Steelers didn't re-sign Zach Gentry, then tight end would be a little bit higher, probably. But where would now, you put them? Probably, I'd probably put it behind wide receiver, right in that wide I receiver. Think, I think I would group. put it below receiver, above safety, above offensive line, and below D tackle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because I would want them to take a tight end in the later rounds just to to fill out the roster, but with the big six twelve. Zach Gentry, Pat, Beyond, yeah, and Hayward, and Hayward. That's right. three pretty damn. But even good if it was Hayward, you'd probably want another guy. Want another there, guy yeah. in the room. But the other guy in the room I want is is Gentry. Mm-hmm. So that's, and that, that's why tight ends probably at the very bottom of that list. And then same with quarterback and and well, quarterback and though, they continue to just have the one of the deeper quarterback rooms in the country. 
I mean, As of now, they, they have. We last don't know year if for sure. It, it, Mitch could at any point really he's say like, back. "I'm gone." Now he's coming back. Uh, there's just so much momentum from, or, or the way that the coaching staff and the GM has talked, and the owner has talked about Mitch. Mitch is coming back. Yeah, Mitch is hosting the players right in Florida. He's yeah. coming back. He's going to be the best. So, and then you look to running back, and we we meant we have this conversation last week. Yeah, about, the only reason I put running back in front of tight end and quarterback is because I think you can always use bodies at that spot because someone's going to get hurt. But the difference is this year is that compared to years passes, you were trying to bring in bodies because none of the bodies you were bringing in were, were doing good. the job. Whether it was the starter via James Conner. Granted, he had one really great year in 2018, but beyond that, for 2019 was the first year he got riddled with injuries, right. and then 2020 he really couldn't pull bring it all together. So him and Anthony McFarlane, Jalen Samuels, Benny Snell, Kalen Balage, help me, whatever you're names, doing a great job. I mean, that's, other, that's what, all there, of them. But really. here's the thing: is that there are, there were other guys brought yeah. in because there were so many issues at that position. And then, lo and behold, the guy they didn't draft ends up being the guy that. Is finally able to take the the driver's seat for that number two spot in the running back room, and now you have a year after they got the guy via the draft. Now you've got Nodge and Warren, Warren and Tony Mack still sitting still, in that like, and back that's room. so much like if if we were talking about Benny Snell as the third guy behind James Conner at number two, behind Lev Bell at number one, Benny Snell would be remembered a lot more fondly here in Pittsburgh. Than when he was forced into that number two spot and then into the number one spot, it'll be interesting to see where Benny lands. This Do you remember season. the COVID year, twenty twenty season opener, Monday Night Football at the Giants? You had no idea who your running back was going to be because I do. Connor Connor was hurt. Benny ran for hundred. Benny yards. ran for a hundred yards in that game, and then he just sucked the next couple. And weeks. then he was just like, "Oh my gosh, Benny Snell is finally here!" And then he never—I don't know if he never got to it, but it seemed like he. Maybe never got to that point again. Except I think maybe he did in that Colts game last year where the team ran for like almost 300 yards. There, it does sound familiar that there was a game last year that he had a, a really good showing. Great special teams player, too. Still a free right. agent. Interesting to see where Benny lands. He'll land somewhere. Someone will get hurt and need a running back or a special team player in the room. So he'll he'll land on his feet somewhere. I don't think he's done in the league yet. So he we, we talked about how he almost got there. He got 62 but the team ran for 172. It's good for Benny Snell. Yeah, right. Yards. You can now listen to Steelers Nation Radio anytime, anywhere through your smart speaker. You just say, Alexa, play Steelers Nation Radio for my heart, and Alexa will take care of the rest. Record-breaking contract dealt out in the NFL. We will talk about that next. Jalen Hurts got paid. paid. The other side of the Commonwealth getting some money. We'll talk about that in the next episode. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Offerman. This is the Steelers Standard.